So there's no getting around it. At some point in time, for the rest of our lives, there are going to be times when we're scared. There are times, actually, when we should be afraid. I do remember growing up, 11-year-old boy, being told by my mother, back porch of a friend's house, that my father had passed away. He died. Not only was I terribly sad, but I was very afraid, with good reason. Remember, decade or so later, being dropped off for college as an 18-year-old young man. About 16 hours away from home, not exactly sure what I was getting into. I was definitely excited, but if I am being honest, I remember being a little bit scared. I should have been. Because when you think about it, there's nothing more scary than an eight-year-old boy who actually thinks he's a man. We don't have to be reminded that we live in a sometimes very scary world. Even now, we, we don't know exactly what's safe and what's not safe. It's, it's not a question of whether or not we're going to be afraid. The question is, what are we going to do with that fear today, tomorrow? What are we going to do to be able to move through the fear that we will come up against in the future and come out of it better? I think if you're a believer this morning or even a seeker this morning, Psalm 11 has our answer. We're going to look at that uh, this morning. You can look on your online bulletin. You can read along with me, Psalm 11, to the choir master of David, God's word. And David writes, In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, Flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur, and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds, and the upright shall behold his face. This is God's word. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we, we do thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you promise to work. We ask that you would open up our hearts, our minds, that we would better understand who you are, better understand who we are. And Father, we simply ask that this morning in your word you would show us Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So this morning we're going to look at just a, a couple of things. Temptation, not to be afraid, because as I said already, there will be times when we ought to be afraid. But it's temptations to panic uh, in the midst of that fear, because David is being tempted here to run away. And then secondly, the courage or the source of his courage that enables him to do what God would have him do. So you can look at it like this, when our world is seemingly falling apart, when we are afraid, when we're tempted to run away, we don't have to panic. 
Because our God, the God of Psalm 11, the God of David, our God, he is near and we can have courage in his presence. So David writes in the first three verses, he begins by saying a truth that we are aware of. It's in the Lord I take refuge. And then he has some counselors that are talking to him, and he, 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 he states it like this. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They've lifted or fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark. If the foundations are destroyed, he asks the question, or they ask the question, what can the righteous do? So David here in the first three verses, he's being counseled to run away from trouble. We don't know exactly what that trouble is. We, we do know that most of David's life was spent being hunted down by his enemies. And here in this instance, he's being advised to flee, to run away, to hide, uh, to panic in the midst of trouble. And he feels the pressure. He talks about it bearing down on his soul. But David knows down deep that Either a would-be king or a king, this isn't the way a king is supposed to act. So he begins with the truth, the truth of the, the fact that in the Lord I take refuge. But it's more than just knowing the truth. It's more than just stating what is right because the bow may be bent. The arrow is ready to leave. He may be facing a time where the NIV basically translates it, the foundations are being destroyed. So the structures of David's world seem to be, or possibly, are crumbling beneath his feet. And all his friends, much of the world, are saying, you need to flee. You need to run away. Get away. And I don't think I, I have to spend much time drawing out the parallels with our world today. We all know, particularly during this time, that the world can be a very scary place. So, so the question is, even in this passage, what can the righteous do? And realize when we talk about the righteous, we're not talking about people that are righteous in and of themselves. We're talking about believers. We're talking about people who have been made righteous by faith in Christ alone, that God has made them righteous. So the question is, what are we to do? As believers in Jesus Christ, when we look out on the world and we feel afraid. The rest of the psalm tells us, tells us what David thought in the midst of this uncertainty, points us to what Jesus Christ has done in the midst of this uncertainty, all of which shows us today what we can do in Christ Jesus in the midst of uncertainty, even when we are afraid. David writes in verse 4, in response to the question, he says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. And David here is showing us the source of courage that he looks to when the world may be falling apart. First, the Lord is in his temple. Realize the temple is going to be built or is built at this time on earth. It's the place where God meets man through sacrifice, where God makes a way at the temple, where God makes a way for sinful men and women to meet with a holy God. And David is reminding himself that God has made a way so, so that an all-powerful God can meet 
and be present with a weak and fearful people. When we are afraid, fearful, David says, God has made a way for me to be in his presence. But not only that, David says, the Lord's throne is in heaven. The Lord rules from above. His reign extends down to the earth. And the throne of God here speaks to God's power over all the universe. Speaks to his sovereignty, even down to David and his circumstances and situation. So David here, immediately after thinking about these questions, the way he's being counseled, David knows that God has made a way for him to, to enter into God's presence. David knows that God's power has extended down to all the places on the earth, even, even aware and in control of the bow and the arrow. And it gives him courage in the midst of uncertain and scary times. So this morning, as you're listening to this video cast, we stand as Christians in line with David. And yet we know, we know about a new and better temple, the Lord Jesus Christ. His was the final and better sacrifice as he pours out his blood on the cross so that God and man can be reconciled, forgiven, accepted by God. That Jesus Christ is the new temple with this sacrifice of his own life secures the way forever into the presence of God for those who believe. We also know about God's power seen in Jesus Christ as he doesn't stay in the grave, but he's raised from the dead. We know that in the resurrection, no power could hold Christ in the grave. And as he was raised to new life in victory... In him, we are victorious as well. We see God's presence in the new temple, Jesus Christ. We see God's power in the resurrection and victory of Jesus Christ. All because of Christ, God's son. So these are the things that David knows. In the Lord, I take refuge. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. But here's a problem that we need to consider. Even as I think about who I'm speaking to this morning, I would imagine that most of us have already heard a lot about God's sovereignty. I know that most of us have understood and heard plenty about the gospel of God's forgiveness. And it may not be as comforting as we would like it to be, and the question is why. If you, if you don't really understand how necessary humility is, then God's forgiveness is not going to have the power that we need to have to do the things that God calls us to do. God's sovereignty, if, if, if we think that we know more than God, God's sovereignty, that idea is not going to be as comforting as we would like it to be. So let me say it like this. If you, if you think you know what's best for your life more so than God, then God being in charge and all-powerful, it's not going to be that comforting to you. If you think you have it all together and you don't really need to be forgiven or cleansed, if you're too proud to say that you are a sinner in need of God's grace, then God's grace won't really matter that much to you. The temptation here for David and for us is to trust ourselves for something else more than God. And in actuality, if that's the case, we really ought to be scared. We ought to be fleeing to the mountains because we do know deep down inside that we don't have what it takes. But on the other hand, if you've been humbled, 
If God has humbly or powerfully humbled you, then, then knowing that God dies for you, is, it's powerful. It gives you hope. If you know that God has a plan for your life that's better than your own, how comforting that can actually be. I, I was thinking about an illustration to kind of drive this home, and I, I decided to use my dog, Walker, or it's not just my dog, but my family's dog. Walker, and uh, we've been spending a lot of time in the backyard. One of the things I've noticed about Walker, my, my dog, is he likes to bark at everybody. And it's really kind of rude to the neighbors. So I've been trying to teach him who to bark at and who not to bark at. And I am being very clear in my instructions to Walker. I, I want him to bark at people that I don't know, but my neighbors that I know, I don't want him to bark. But been trying for weeks now, and he just doesn't get it. And it's not because I'm not being clear. It's simply because Walker's a dog, and he has no way to understand what I am effectively trying to communicate with him. It's not my fault. It's his fault. He's a dog. The difference between me and my dog is nothing compared to me and God. God is so much bigger than we can ever imagine that we just can't always understand the things he's trying to teach us. But you know what's interesting? The, the reason that my dog and I still get along is because Walker doesn't try to be me. He doesn't think he knows more than me. He's very happy being a dog. We shouldn't try to be God. If we understand our place in the world, who God is and what he's done, we settle down, we see and trust him more than we trust ourselves. And, and really this idea of humility makes sense of the rest of the passage that, that might be a little bit difficult for us to take in. Verses 5 through 7 says some, some pretty rough things. He says, the Lord tests the righteous. But his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Then he says, let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire, sulfur, scorching wind shall be their portion. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. I know some of these phrases in this portion of the psalm doesn't sit well with our modern sensibilities. But let me, let me try to explain what's going on here. God sees and examines all people simply because he's the creator. Every human being created in the image of God is obligated to God simply because God is their creator. And the Lord is examining, testing, proving both the righteous and the wicked, all men and women. No one is exempt. On one hand, the Lord tests the righteous because they are precious to him. They are precious to him, therefore he refines them with afflictions, with struggles, with trials, because he loves them and he wants them to be more like Christ. On the other hand, this passage says, his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. And we seem to have a hard time with, with God hating the wicked. I know we don't like the way that sounds, but the truth of the matter is this. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him will have eternal life. It's, it's not a question whether or not God loves sinners. 
It's very clear that God loves his created world and people, otherwise he wouldn't have sent his son. That's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is talking about the fact that those found in Jesus Christ are made right. They have been made righteous, declared to be friends of God. But those who deny God's gracious gift to mankind, his only begotten son, they can't be anything but his enemies. And God's enemies will not win. There's no other options. And the point here is everything that's happening in our world today is simply another opportunity for all of us, believer and unbeliever alike, to see who it is we trust with our lives. For those who are found in Jesus Christ, this psalm says, they will behold God's face. They are the righteous, and in their fear, they can know they have a Savior, and they are safe. But those who deny Christ... They are the ones who have no place to take their fear. They should be afraid. They have to deal with that fear on their own. And as we've already said, there are plenty of reasons to be afraid. It's not going to end with the coronavirus. There will always be plenty of reasons for us to be afraid in the future. And the question is, what are we going to do with that fear? The gospel of Jesus Christ says, when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's nothing more compelling than that to make us humble. And in humility, we trust the God who knows more than us. The God who has become like us and died in our place. We can rest in the fact that God has a plan for our lives better than any plan that we can actually come up with. And we can trust him even when we are afraid. As David says, what can the righteous do? The righteous, they trust the only righteous one because he alone is worthy of our trust. So when we're afraid, whether we're right to be afraid or not right to be afraid, we have a Savior who's come and made and is making all things right. Would we look to him this day and forevermore? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we we do thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that in our fear, in our struggles, in our trials, we know that you love us and that you care for us and that we can trust you with whatever comes our way. We thank you that Jesus Christ has come and he was tempted like we were yet without sin. We thank you that in the end, all things will be made right. And in the meantime, you've given us all that we need to be faithful today. Help us to be faithful. Help us to seek hard after you and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.